Welcome everybody. Lee Henson Hasty here with my new friend Sarah Barisma. Barisa. <laughs> I knew I was gonna do that. I want to put Barisa. an M. <laughs> Barisa. I'm glad to have you here. She's uh, in St. Louis. I'm in Louisville. We both got the Louisville, the Louis King Louis thing going on. Mm-hmm. I guess. How are you? How are things there? I'm, I'm well. It is. It is definitely raining, and uh, you can see the eaves of my house back here. So if you hear lots of rain, it's because it's raining. Oh wow! Uh, that rain usually St. Louis is coming. I think they're saying the rain is coming this way. So we're mm-hmm. we'll yep. be on the lookout. Um, and I'd be glad to have it. Thanks for being here. We're here to talk about uh, the spotlight of public ministry. Um, that's our topic for today. And that picks up on your your new book. Real, When I say hot off the press, this is March 2022 off the press. Mm-hmm. Professional Christian, being fully yourself in the spotlight of public ministry. Some beautiful interviews, some beautiful discussion questions in each chapter. Um, hopefully we get to talk about the book, but definitely... Um, the topic, but just just so glad to have you here and appreciate it. It is so good to be here. You are. <laughs> you this, are. Is, this is my first uh, book talk. Book talk. Oh, podcast. good. Yeah. I mean, oh. we're, we're sort of, you know, coming out of the pandemic and we don't have as many of these, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome, everybody. If you're here, um, please let us know you're here in the comments. You can go ahead and put your questions as they come up. We'll hopefully get to those um, in the show. Um, but we're going to start out the way we always start out, and that is asking um, you, Sarah, what is the work your soul must have? Or as um, Howard Thurman said it, um, what is uh, making you come alive? Uh, Whichever one you want to answer in these days. Yes, those feel very much the same. And I am writing so much right now. And I've just come through about a six-month season that was hard personally, hard professionally, hard pandemically. And I feel like, like all this, all this uh, work that my unconscious was doing is suddenly like pouring out of me. And it is just like, I can feel my body coming alive and my face lighting up as I'm, as I'm working. And it's such a, nothing, nothing that I'm ready to share with the world yet, but it's all this, all this creative work that is just was ready and waiting for the time. And now is the time. You can um, you can almost see it exuding from you <laughs> the creativity and energy. It's beautiful to yep. see that. Yeah, yeah. what what really... makes your face light up? This makes my face light up. One hundred percent. And just so you know, friends, um, Sarah is also a spouse and a parent. She mm-hmm. had a pandemic baby. Even oh I mean, I don't know how you've done it. I She's... don't know either. <laughs> She's a, a musician. She has a PhD and a certificate in feminist theory. We got to talk about that. Um, she has an evangelical background, a more progressive background, an Eastern Orthodox connection. There's, it's just, I think you are one of the most um, diverse people I know in one person. <laughs> That's a really nice way of putting that. Very diverse. <laughs> um, Eclectic. It's 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 a real gift. I mean, um, a real gift to bring those kind of parts of who you are and the way you claim them and self-identify mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. who they are. We'll put a link to Sarah's website. It's Sarah-Bereza, B-E-R-E-Z-A.com. You can learn more about her, about what she's writing and working on. There's even links, friends, to... Um, I just learned where she played a number of publicly available hymns on the organ where you can download them. Yep. So yep. there's that a was bonus. an early pandemic project. 
<laughs> there's a bonus if if you need that. You know, I I have been in those churches and shown up in the morning where the the organist is sick. So yes. <laughs> that yep. could that could be be very helpful. Um, so writing, I mean, coming live, it you can see it in this, and you can see how how much energy writing gives you, and also uh, in the book, the interviews. I mean, so the ethnographic mm, yeah. work. Um, that you've done here um, to interview um, dozens of pastors, including um, in the list, and there may be more, but uh, Paul Rock, who's the pastor at the American Church in Paris, who's PCUSA, and Bruce Reyes Chow, who's been a guest here. Um, it says here, Pastor First Presbyterian Palo Alto, but I think, you know, we're talking about um, he's he's in the process of stepping down there um, and um that all all seems to play into what you're talking it about does. here in terms of it being really fully does. yourself. Yeah. So um, tell us about uh, what what is it that got you thinking about writing this book? You talk about authenticity oh. and mm -hmm. um, and sincerity, um, and um, I mean everybody anybody who's been in in a leadership role in the church knows kind of how this feels. But what got you thinking about it? Ah. Oh. I, I have a couple of different, like, uh, I don't know, pivots in my life where I think like, oh, this really made me think about it. And one was um, experiences that I've had leading worship as a musician, where I had to show up no matter how I felt right and lead worship and be on. And I'm a really um, energetic person when I'm like leading my choir. And, and I have never felt that that was fake. And I have also felt times where like, I'm really sick right now. Like not contagious sick, but like I'm pregnant sick and I can't tell people and mm. I have to show up and leave worship, but I don't feel like it. I just want to go to sleep. Yeah. And I've never felt like that was lying, but I've thought, huh, what's going on there? Like, what does it mean right. to have integrity when you're showing up right. to minister and worship God, but you don't want to. Right. So there's that, that part. And going back a little bit further, when I was doing my doctoral work, I um, was interviewing musicians who were in fundamentalist, mostly Baptist settings, self-identified fundamentalist settings, where the vocalists not only wanted to communicate true words, but they mm -hmm. wanted to communicate like with their body, their posture, mm -hmm. what musicologists right. call performance practice. They wanted to communicate that they themselves believed that those words were true, wow. which is kind of a, a different thing. Like if, if you go to say, mm -hmm. maybe an Episcopal church with a cantor, they're just singing the words and maybe they believe them or maybe they don't. But in this setting, it was really important to communicate mm -hmm. how much they believe that this was true. And I think this is true in a lot of evangelical settings where the person leading musical worship is kind of given a mandate to look like they are leading worship, right? right. You're not supposed to have a monotone kind of face on. You're no. supposed to be emoting but what if you don't feel like it? And, and you're supposed to be cool, right? And you're, you're supposed, supposed to be, to be cool. Super cool. I know. And I, you think things. I mean, can I go? I'm not going to name stores, but I have a teenage <laughs> daughter and there's certain stores, yes, uh, yes. brands, you know, <laughs> that doesn't work. One of, one of the people I interviewed for my book um, said something to the effect of like, we didn't get into ministry because we were captain of the football team. We are not actually cool people. <laughs> right. Exactly. So how do you do all that with integrity? Yeah. Um, exactly. And this book comes out of that question and ends up exploring a lot more questions about, well, how do you be truly yourself in ministry 
given all those demands, people want you to be a role model. People want you to be, you know, depending on your denominational setting, but they think you're extra special, close to God or whatever it is in in their understanding of what it means to be in ministry. Or maybe you're just a school teacher and you're supposed to follow the rules of the school and maybe you signed up for that. Maybe you didn't. How do you do that with integrity? Well, and then you see, I mean, you see people step to the communion table or to the pulpit or, you know, to, you know, a baptism or, or whatever it is. And there's, is, there is like an added pressure of it some is. kind. Yeah. Yeah. Part of a lot, especially in worship, you are part of a lot of people's really important moments in their lives. Um, you know, weddings, funerals, baptisms, those are really important or um, deathbeds. Um, that's not right. part of my own ministry, but, you know, I in- interviewed all these people because one person can't have done it all. So I interviewed a lot of people who are chaplains and hospital chaplains, military chaplains, people who have been at death deathbeds and ministering there. And so many people said to me, well, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think about things. I'm there for that person. And I have to put the focus on that person. Right. So if we're talking about the spotlight of public ministry, sometimes the spotlight of public ministry means wholehearted focus on someone else and someone else's needs, no matter what you think. No, no matter what you think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember early in my ministry, people in a mainline Presbyterian church, you know, and in a robe, you know, you put the robe on mm-hmm. um, and um, people would comment, um, Lee, you weren't smiling today. You know, I was like, really? You <laughs> I mean, like I, I was supposed to be smiling when I'm just sitting there, you know, like yeah. everything's wonderful. Uh, like yeah. we're talking about war, but <laughs> <you know? laughs> and and I remember I was part of a project. Um, I don't know if you read this book, John McClure and Burton Cooper on claiming theology in the pulpit. I believe it's another Westminster. Um, Ooh, no, book. but I, I'm writing it down on my yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where they really pushed us. I mean, there was a class and then we actually had a group where we met um, afterwards and preached for each other. And that was the you know, part of the feedback was like, you are smiling and talking about death. You know, no, that doesn't match, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and to, so I I hear you calling for that and you hear us search committees and others talk about, we want authenticity. We want people, but you even have a little bit of a critique of that word authenticity in the book. You want to say a little bit about that? That's that's kind to say that it's little, I I feel like I I could go (laughs) authenticity forever. Uh, The short version is. I like just, Rousseau did not have it yeah, quite right. I just, yeah, Rousseau did not have it quite right. And um, I just think it is not a very useful uh, term for us or a, a, a useful value for us to aspire to. I like that value. But you have yeah. you have some proposals. Yeah, I do. And, and I think the issue with authenticity, and I, I go through about, I think, eight different <laughs> connotations. Do you know, do you, I, I could go on authenticity forever. Um, there are so many ways that it means so many things that authenticity means that sometimes it doesn't mean much at all. And our most common way to use authenticity is to be spontaneous, to mm. be natural, as if right. like whatever first comes to our heart is the truest of true things. But guess what? In ministry, like uh, we're not able to do that a lot of times. And um, I think as, as Christians, oftentimes we are supposed to deny our first impulses because our first impulses are often um, contrary to the love of God and the love of our neighbor. <laughs> Um, at least as, right. as we often see them displayed in small children and in our own hearts as adults, we just kind of cover them up a bit. Right. So, but I think that value of thinking, well, the first impulse of my heart is what is capital T true is really not actually true. I think that that is a 
true thing about what is happening. And I think everything leading you up to a, a situation is also true about you. I think that your values are true and all those other factors are also true in a given moment. So if you're mm -hmm. only thinking about, well, how do I be authentic to my spontaneous feelings? You can end up in a lot of trouble. I, I do think though that sincerity in particular can be a helpful way to think about what is true or a way to be, uh, to have integrity in a real-time situation like not like like in this conversation right now which is live like if we were just recording a podcast right. and with an opportunity to edit that would be different than right now right. talking to y'all um on facebook that, that's why people say they actually love the show they love it live they, mm -hmm. they yeah don't want me it's to a change. different vibe i, I can't <laughs> right. back up and be like oh wait i didn't like how i said that let me try it again <laughs> right. you know so yeah. in this kind of setting where we're in this real-time ministry moment. I think sincerity is really important because sincerity gives us a way to think about being truly ourselves while also being a professional because it's right. in line, it's about being in line with your values and right. it's about being um, appropriate to the specific moment that we're in. Right. And to me, that is a much more helpful value than spontaneous authenticity. Right. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, now you talk about vulnerability too. Mm -hmm. Can you say a yeah, little bit about that? Too. Because there's some appropriate and maybe inappropriate vulnerability. You go into that a little bit. And I, I know mm -hmm. that's something that pastoral leaders, I'll say, even even myself, I struggle with. Like, how much do I share that is appropriate <laughs> and, yeah, and, and I, not? And you there's know, no good and, answer there. I think that's why it's so hard. Right, yeah. what, and what works in a small group isn't the same as what works in a yeah. sermon. And right. um in, in professional Christian, I go through like different reasons why that is so hard and ways mm -hmm. to avoid the oversharing that probably some of us have heard in sermons. Um, but oh, I yes. do think that vulnerability <laughs> is a really important uh, facet to ministry. Mm -hmm. um, we lead as ourselves. We aren't leading as stick figures. We're not leading as um, little demigods. We're not leading as the robe we put on. We're lead That might be part of who we are, but that's not the whole of who we are. And I think that um, with, uh, discretion, we can be vulnerable, vulner vulnerable about difficulties in our lives, even hard things in our lives, because that's one way that we minister to other people right. by sharing, sharing things in our lives with, with, of course, the caveat of like finding that, finding that area between like oversharing and, um, being like this stone that no one can, you know, see our emotions on our face at all. Like right. there's, there's a, there's a big area mm -hmm. in between. Right. Those two. Well, and I think like that question about me smiling too is there was mm -hmm. a people were wanting to connect. There, there is a, I think there's a desire uh, to connect um, in in the room in worship wherever it might be that because relationships are something that I really do value and mm -hmm. and you talk about that relatedness um, mm -hmm. as well um, and. And being being professional, how, what does it even mean to be a professional Christian? How, yeah, right. We, we I know not that. everyone <laughs> likes that term. I I picked the term professional Christian um, because you know if you just say people in ministry, not everyone who I would consider to be a professional Christian would think of themselves as well. I'm in ministry, but in the United States, uh, many many people are professional Christians who never really intended to end up in that place. You know, I'm mm -hmm. a French teacher and I got hired at the Catholic school. Guess what? Mm -hmm. You can be hired and fired on religious grounds now. Or mm -hmm. like in my case, I'm a musician. You know, mm -hmm. I could be teaching university organ right now at Joshmo Place or, you know, I'm in, I'm in a church and I'm working in a church and now I can be hired and fired on religious grounds. 
And right. I think that that really matters to how we understand faith in our lives. And I even know professional, quote unquote, professional Christians who don't necessarily identify as Christian. And I don't necessarily think this book is the best fit for them. But, you know, there are people who work in, in these settings that are like, well, you know, I can I can sign on to this and I'm, I'm happy to be the school teacher here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the thing that is I mean, there are a lot of difficult things um, about being a professional Christian. But a big part of it is that idea of being professional in the sense of like your unedited self, you, you, you can't just let it all hang out because you do have a professional obligation to show up and be in that profession. You, you're not, for the most part, for most times, you're not supposed to be bringing your bad mood into the, right. into the church service. Like there are with very few exceptions, you need to show up and put that smile on your face or whatever is right. appropriate to your context and focus on the needs of other people. Right. And there are plenty right. of other times where your needs are important, but in that corporate worship setting or when you're teaching or when you're leading that uh, that group mm-hmm. of volunteers at your nonprofit, you got to focus on them and show up for them mm-hmm. and be prepared for that. And maybe vulnerability isn't the very first value there, even right. though it's important. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I love in the book that you have um, um, key takeaways of every mm, in every chapter yeah. and then you also have discussion questions mm-hmm. i think it would be really is that how you imagine the book sort of being used as in a you know i think it would be a really wonderful book for i mean a clergy group one but i was thinking like um there are parish relation committees i think in the united mm-hmm. methodist tradition mm-hmm. and personnel committees in many presbyterian churches there's committees on ministry um where you know they are working with the minister and the congregation. I mean, where do you imagine this being used? And so those discussions happening, those, if you, if you those had places. all those places, mm-hmm. okay. Those places, um, I think that there are, you know, I have a friend who leads a, um, a local group of children's ministers. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Or um, uh, local groups of like pastoral musicians or other types of Christian musician associations, um, teaching associations, where you have like these small local groups where maybe they aren't necessarily book groups, but might find mm-hmm. it really useful to even not necessarily even read every single chapter and go through all the things, but, you know, pick out some of these questions. Cause I feel like they are difficult things and maybe not so much for people who've been to seminary and are ordained right. but for the many other professional Christians. A lot of these questions, I don't think they've ever even thought about right, or really clearly articulated to themselves. Right. Right. Um, by the way, I still do just love your your whole story. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just amazing, y'all. And the book has, I mean, it it, it you know, so the background in a in a you say a fundamentalist Baptist church, um, mm-hmm. and then yeah. a teenager in kind of an evangelical tradition where, um, and then you know you um, and you interview pastors here from Australia, Canada, England, and United States. You're really thinking broadly here. And Mm -hmm. it's, I would have gone further, but I'm not fluent in anything else. Right. Right. Um, One of my favorite, you know, I always, I say this about some of my favorite books and authors in this book, the, the, the chapter not to miss is the conclusion. I don't know if it's, would be called a chapter, but um, you tell the story, I guess you're a, a, an adolescent at this point yeah, you're like in an evangelical old. church of some kind is that right at a at an eastern orthodox church oh Eastern. Yeah. okay and you're mm-hmm. you're asking about swearing 
you asked, could I be a good Christian and swear? Um, and the pastor father, Ted says, Sarah, you need to love your neighbor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this feels like almost scripture or something. Well, yeah, it's like cutting to the very heart of what matters. Because I feel like in, you know, here are the eight different types of authenticity. And, you know, there's right. so many little things, which, I mean, I'm an academic. Like, I love to get into all the little things. And what's really the important thing? Loving God and loving our neighbor. Loving neighbor, and, right. And what Father Ted was telling me as an adolescent coming out of fundamentalism, stop worrying about your jots and right. your tittles. You right. need to love your neighbor right. and loving our neighbors looks different in different settings. So like you mentioned being uh, vulnerable, vulnerability and appropriate vulner vulnerability looks different in different situations. And that's so much harder than having mm -hmm. a set list of things. But, right. you know, that's our calling. That's what it means to follow God. Well, it's, to, I feel like, I mean, you're clear that this is not some just like handbook and answer book. It's a guide yeah. to help people give them. Nice. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Um, we have some folks who've joined us, um, Lee Wojcik and um, and um, uh, some others. If there are questions um, that you have or comments you'd like to make, we'd love to hear from you, um, what you have in these last uh, few minutes that we have together. Um, uh, I have to hear and I have to ask you about um, feminist theory and how that ah. informs <laughs> who you are and yes, what you yeah. do and, and why would um, a musician, would you say you're a musician? Would you say that? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a musician. Yeah. Yeah. A musician be involved in this kind of writing. That's. Mm. Yeah, so. oh, oh, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, we could spend all day. Uh, couldn't couldn't yeah. we all spend all day talking about our, our own selves and our, our life <laughs> issues. Um, but the short version is, is when I was about 11, I became the, the lead pianist at a Baptist church. So three services a week. And I did that right. for years. And I've been doing church music since then. And I didn't start thinking, oh, I'm going to grow up to be a professional Christian. But I mean, I was leading the, you know, I wasn't on the stage because they didn't let women right. on the stage. But, you know, I was the lead musician at a church for years and years from my early, early years. And at the same time, I'm an academically minded person into musicology. And I initially thought, oh, I'm going to study a chant mm -hmm. uh, from mm -hmm. the 800s. And I did. And then I was like, but fundamentalist Christianity and music theology and rock and roll is of the devil. It's really interesting. <laughs> so right. I ended up uh, doing a bunch of interviews, doing my PhD work on music and theology and um, even conservative evangelicalism. And which, which is where that, that whole question of how do you be yourself in worship? And communicate Actually, your of course. Worship yeah. You're asking from. yourself yeah. this question, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and now like, like I work mostly, you know, full-time as a, as a music minister, like that's what I've been doing for right. years now. Right. Um, but this question has, has stayed with me. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's a question I, when, I get together with anybody or have conversations with, with other pastors. It's one of the first topics that comes up, but uh, nobody's really written about it. Um, Robin Sakula has a really uh, good point about cussing. She says, so can I cuss, but not at my neighbor? Is that kind of, <laughs> well, let's just say that father Ted told me, uh, uh, an adolescent that, um, sometimes you need to get people's attention. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that answer. I love that answer. Like, Speak the truth in love. 
Yes, know? yes. Speak the truth in love. And sometimes you got to speak it real loudly. And and that, you know, speaking of that conclusion, that's one thing I get into is that, you know, sometimes loving your neighbor can be really kind of aggressive and um, to the right. point. <laughs> right. 100%. It can be. Um, love, love is love uh, is not is not the same thing as being nice. Correct. Well, I also learned this a little bit uh, uh, tangential, but your name, Bariza, is mm-hmm. is Ukrainian. That's the name yes, of the Ukraine. Where is that yeah. in the Ukraine? Oh, it's one you of know? the smaller cities. Okay. Um, but you don't yeah, but east, a, west, north, south. We're going to we'll have to look I'm it up. I'm not sure. I grew up with, okay. with, a, with a map of it in my house, but I'm geographically challenged (laughs) is your is there family from ukraine i guess um if if there are like my great-grandparents left in around 1910 okay so that that um that was my my dad's parents oh so lee uh strong wedrick says near kiev she's looked it up this is this is what uh Yes, on computers can do they can help you find things so near the capital city um It's gosh, what a painful story that is oh, right now. And yeah. and um I, I I've heard people, you know, pastors who are just really breaking up, crying. I mean, it's it's difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's probably I mean, I read in this and what you're saying is like that's okay. I mean, it's not it a is. performance. I mean, no, I don't think not, so. Not to perform that, not to work that up. Um mm-hmm. I also am gonna come out of the closet that you've made me think of a, a show that I it's it's gotten better, I think, in my opinion, is one of these singing shows, I won't name it, where there's judges and mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. have you. And they're often asking for the same things. Like they don't want a performance, they want you to be you. You know, mm-hmm. you may be singing a cover song, but sing it the way Sarah sings it. Don't sing it the mm-hmm. way you know, yeah. the, the recording artists sang it. Yeah. I mean, which is, isn't that asking for a lot of soul searching? It yeah. is. It is yeah. 100%. Do you, yeah, are, it's, it's hard. What do you it's, think of those shows? What do you think of that kind of stuff? Oh, I think they're fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> very, very fun. No, I, I have to say, I don't watch a lot of TV. I, I, um, I Good like Bluey, you. which is a children's show. It's one that doesn't drive me crazy with my little kids. Bluey is very funny. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> We're always Plus looking. For the littles. <laughs> Everybody's always looking for suggestions. Your and your littles, how old are they? They are one and a half and five. Wow. That's yeah. beautiful. They, well, they um, it, we're getting close to the end of our time. If there are other yeah. I'm trying to think what else we've missed. Um, you're on Instagram, you're on mm-hmm. Twitter. Um Although I'm not really on Twitter. You can follow okay. me there, but <laughs> <laughs> I do I do have a newsletter. So okay. You can sign up for a newsletter. I don't write a lot, maybe about twice a month. Um, right. But that's that's a really good way to keep. But up. you're working on some other projects. We're not ready I to am. talk about those yet. I am. Or... I'm not not ready, but they're they're definitely in the works. So we'll okay. see. Because this is your this is your first monograph. This is my first right? one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. Love the David Greenhaw, who is president emeritus at Eden, is a uh-huh. is a friend and. Uh-huh. Listening with a careful ear to our own experience and probing through interviews of experience of dozens of pastors, teachers, and musicians. Uh, Bariza is welcome companion on any journey of professional ministry ordained and lay. And a a couple of these talk about like essential reading for, and I feel like it's true, particularly for someone newer in ministry or maybe somebody who Mm -hmm. just needs a reset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Which I I hear a lot of people want. That would be one of of my goals in writing was 
uh, was thinking about people who are in seminary or right. people who never went to seminary and suddenly they're like the youth leader instead of being the elementary right. school teacher. Right. And what does it mean to be the youth leader now? And right. How do you think about it? Or the super cool music leader, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I sometimes joke that I'm a musicologist, not a musicologist. <laughs> and um, that yeah. about tells you how cool I am. <laughs> Or not. <laughs> well, this is what I'm loving about some of these singing shows. It's not always kind of the coolest kid, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that they that they uh, promote. So um, it's really it's really awesome. Well, I'm I for one am going to be excited about seeing what you write. I'm going to subscribe um, to the to the newsletter myself. I hope we'll cross paths soon yes. in Louisville yeah, or St. Louis, um, and. Friends, subscribe, get to know Sarah and her writing, pick up her mm -hmm. book. It's now available uh, from Westminster John Knox Press mm -hmm. um, yes, directly is. or wherever you get your books, your local bookshop. I always like to promote order it for you. the local bookshop and um, or wherever you get those. Um, maybe in a, get your library or your church library. How about that? That would be awesome. Um, before we go, I'll let folks know we're still confirming our guest um, that will be coming up uh, soon in two weeks. That is um, on April the 13th at 1 p.m. Um, please come back and join us live. Um, also, I invite you to subscribe to and review our podcast where this interview also will be posted if you want to listen back, Leading Theologically, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we'd love to have you subscribe. Um, I... I I had invited, uh, or at least uh, given a, a suggestion, maybe Sarah might send us uh, musically away with a charge and a blessing, but however you would like to bless us, oh. uh, that would be um, very much appreciated. And thanks again, Sarah, for who you are, the bright light, the glow, it is real. And um, it's so good to meet you and know you and, and thank you for who you are and especially for your writing, um, which we can hold on to. Um, thanks so much. There, I'll do. I'll do a quick, quick prayer. God, you have made us all to glow so brightly and to be so full of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would lead us in a way towards that fullness of self, so that we can better love you and love our neighbors. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen and Amen. Um, take good care and stay Thank safe. Welcome to meet uh, you. Hopefully, we'll we'll meet again soon. And everybody else, uh, blessings uh, to Bye, you everyone. as well. Take care.